Welcome back to another episode of Soul Coffee. As with today's guest, I'm really excited to explore providing for the provider in a different way and in a natural way. As there's a lot of nurses and physicians that are injuring themselves physically when it comes to the musculoskeletal system and when it comes to being able to take care of themselves as there's different aspects exploring this as we're going to dive in and explore that as there's also a lot of unclarity of how a doctor of physical therapy and a doctor of chiropractic can also even serve providers and you know what is it that we even do so I brought on this fire guest to be able to demystify and also add some research and to add some uh, different component to soul coffee which I think has been seen before because I think the more providers and the more athletes and the more people that are grounded in how to heal naturally and what are some of the mechanisms to that from a musculoskeletal lens from a neurological lens and then ultimately just from a movement lens as that's quintessential and necessary for life there's gonna be a lot of peace so with this uh, guest coming on I'm excited to talk about this man as He's a doctor of physical therapy. That's one of his latest professions as he's been a physical therapist for the last few years, uh, graduating from South College, as well as in a previous life, he was attorney as, an attorney as well. Uh, he started Ventana Physiotherapy in 2019. However, in the midst of COVID, he traveled overseas to be able to serve in Kuwait out of service, which is, I think, very important as it's in bring, he brings an international perspective to things as well as being very grounded and one of the aspects of things that I think is very important is that he is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. So he has a CSCS as well as he has his tactical strength and conditioning facilitatorship through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. This is very important as it brings a very grounded, anchored, research-backed evidence approach to what it is that he does. He's based here in Tucson as well. He's a part of my networking chapter of BNI as he's one of my allies as well as Michelle Moore over at Bodywork at Onyx, which is where he operates out from. But, y'all, Dr. Alan Phillips is a genius. I am so honored to be able to bring him on Soul Coffee finally as we've been talking about things, as what we're really going to dive into is discovering your body's winning recipe. Please welcome to the show Dr. Alan Phillips, y'all. Thank you, my friend. It's an honor to be on the show and, and to be the first uh, physical therapist Yes, on the sir. Show. It's good to have you, Stud. It's good to have you. And, you know, what initially brought Dr. Allen up is, you know, I wanted to pick his brain and understand, you know, who, what has he seen in some of the mechanisms of injury, as I think people might hurt their back or hurt their hip or whatever, maybe while they're playing a sport or shoot, while they're just taking care of people. But I think in understanding some more of the mechanisms of injury and how a physical therapist can help people through the progressive load of the tissues and what that even means in the process of disease and being able to highlight the lifespan of the symptoms of things. You know, Dr. Allen, what is that you have seen when it comes to healthcare providers and type A personalities injuring themselves? So some of it is behavioral with because being type A people, they go out and you know, if they're athletes, they go out and push themselves push themselves quite hard. Um, you also mentioned the, you know, the idea of progressive load of the tissues. Well, there's also a progressive load of the nervous system, which is often what brings them into my office because a lot of times it's not necessarily like a, a, a tear of something or a rip of something, but the body has been stressed at a certain, certain level. And in doing, and along with that, there's stressed a placed upon the nervous system with it. And eventually the, the body just gets to a point where it says, hey, I, I've had enough. And 
sometimes that's both at this conscious level and subconscious level. Mm. So typically when people come to me, they've, they've tried a bunch of other things, whether it's, whether it's, uh, you know, self-help, whether it's a uh, YouTube medical center or <laughs> Google Memorial hospital. <laughs> yes. They've tr- tried all, all kinds of things. And by the time they get to me, it's usually, usually uh, well entrenched with mm. uh, what's been going on in their life. And they've missed some stuff that's in their life. If it's an athlete, then they've maybe been, been away from training, having to miss competitions. But also, there are plenty of uh, just regular working people out there where exercise or their gym time is like that's their sacred time because as a provider for for their family, let's say, and working a job where they're having to serve people, uh, you know, they're constantly you're pulled in all these different directions. But mm-hmm. of those twenty three hours a day, that that one hour that they're in the gym, that's sacred. That's their time and if a bad shoulder or a bad back or a sore knee uh, takes them away from that then that can be a very uh, you know kind of a, a crisis in a sense because yeah. it it uh, not only uh, you know it can it can take away identity mm. it can and and just the the basic simple fact of being able to just unwind and you know we know when we're going through stress on a on a chronic level you know having that ability to step away and not only get the benefits of exercise in general, but simply being able to, you know, get that, get recharge as well. Mm. I think one of the main things that you said there, which really just stuck out to me was identity. And a lot of healthcare workers, all they got is their identity as a healthcare (laughs) worker. And perhaps they don't see themselves of the profile of an athlete, but you know, if you move your body and it's competitive, I like to tell my people, yo, you're an athlete. Um, But I think it's important for people to define their own podiums that, measure success and you know that can just being able to be present at work and doing the things that you do helping a lot of people however when they get injured themselves it leads to a lot more potential difficulty especially nurses in particular I know it's a very physical job demanding and we were talking about that in pre-chat the level of demand that a lot of people have which as you highlighted too that already starts to weigh on the central nervous system or the nervous system of, um, of the body and it isn't until they might see their low back or they might see their shoulder or they might see their knee being overloaded. And now the body's like, OK, time to take care of this, which is typically when people find myself in their office as well, too. And we like to meet I like to meet my people at and they're the pain of sorts as well. Um, and I like to also understand, you know, well, what's happening outside of this pain where it's actually preventing you from? Is it time with your kids? Is it present with your kids? Is it simply the inability to do your job? And. You know, I'd love to hear your perspective. What do you think is the main implications of when someone gets injured and then what's the detriment to that? And so one of the challenging things in, is that there's often a disconnect between pain and injury. You know, pain and injury, are, are we often use them interrelated or, or, or synonymously, but, but in reality they're actually quite different things. And what frustrates a lot of people, particularly with these repetitive strain types of types of conditions there's there's not as we said before there's not a tear there's not any sort of you know, uh, significant pathology and people might be doing the, doing all the right things and they're they're just wondering okay why is this not getting better they mm-hmm. they look to the structure and say well the structure is fine but i'm still i'm still in pain and it comes down first it comes down to understanding the difference in pain and injury so so one example so you can have injury without pain and you can have pain without injury tell me more 
So, so one example, let's say you're, you're walking, through the, walking through the brush, they say you're out hiking in the, the desert or wherever, and you're, you're going along and, and you, let's say you, um, you go through some thick area, then you come out, get a drink of water, you look down and, oh, I'm bleeding on my shin. You know, maybe a couple of miles back, you just scraped it on, on the side of a cactus or, or something and you didn't even notice it, but that's an injury. Um, but if you didn't notice it, you're not in pain. Mm. Now, to look at the opposite, you can have pain without injury. So let's say you're, uh, you know, step on the proverbial child's Lego or you go into the bathroom in the middle of the night and, and you, you stub your toe on the side of the door. You know, that's, that's a legit 9 out of 10 pain, but there's no injury there and probably won't even, th- won't even swell up. But those are kind of two I- examples to highlight the simple fact that there's pain and injury are different things and it can lead to a lot of frustration with when people are seeking answers mm, ooh, because for me as i hear you say that i love the analogy too they it, it, it blocks them from being able to do the things that they do so the frustration comes out with the inability to do the things that they want to do and tying it back to healthcare professionals you know they might be in pain um when they're shoot lifting somebody and i think the connection to it is like no actually that's happened over time that's actually an injury while you're experiencing that and I think there might be a hypo sensitization to the pain points, like their energy started to dip in a burnout sense, like being emotionally exhausted. That's a pain point. And they're on the way to injuring themselves mentally and emotionally when it comes to burnout. But they're in a society or they're in a, a system that's used to actually ignoring or numbing or masking the pain. But from what you're highlighting here, it's like, you know, we get to actually pay, help people pay attention to the pain and then work through the mechanisms of injury. Exactly. And you, know, you look at in uh, the hospital setting, it, it, a lot of it is cultural, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, just the, you know, not just the physical strain of it, but uh, you know, there's a lot of, oh, well, it's, you know, I, I went through it, so you have, you have to go through it, too. And, and you, know, you don't want to be the, don't wanna be the, the soft one on, on the shift who's, mm-hmm. who's, who's uh, mm-hmm. taking a knee and, and, and not uh, holding, up, uh, you know, holding up their end of the bargain. Uh, you, you don't want to be, um, yeah, you just... And it goes to the identity, uh, the identity pieces that we're we're talking about. You know, your role on it, your role on a team, and in, interpersonal relationships with with other people, uh, with other people you're working with. Um, so all of those things can be uh, allow pain to persist. It can mm-hmm. amplify what's already there. Um, you know, going back mm-hmm. to mechanisms of injury. So, you know, typically, you know, stress in itself won't won't uh, you know, psychological stress won't necessarily lead to to injury, but Ongoing psychological stress can allow injury to persist longer than it, it might have otherwise been. Um, it can amplify things just the way, like a microphone would amplify a voice. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the voice is there, but there's something turning turning it up. Ooh. And those other things can be these these other stresses that you know we can get into as we as we go on. But any healthcare provider. Uh, particularly any hospital worker you know, knows exactly what we're what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's keep going. As one of my favorite things you said before was helping people understand the process in which things become is invaluable. And like you just said, with the microphone, there's something that might be turning up the volume, aka the pain point. Like that's the body turning things up. But I'd love for you to you know bring in some of the research that you found prior to things. Um, highlighting the risk versus and the risk and demands of things versus the actual reward of the environment and how that can play out musculoskeletally. Yeah, so actually I want to take a, take a little step back to go 
go through the lineage of, of the research. So back in like the 2000s, you know, it, it got ergonomics became really yeah. big. Yeah. You know, it was like, okay, if we, if we just teach everyone how to lift properly and, and put up all these signs showing proper lifting technique in, in the break room that, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll overcome these injuries and, and just do it through education and, and uh, internal legislation, so to speak. Mm. Um, eventually, organizations saw that that didn't cure everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, then, okay, there's something else going on. Then research, as we got into like the, the late 2000s, 2010, started to recognize just a general connection between psychosocial stress and musculoskeletal symptoms. Then more recently in the 2010s and 2020s, we've seen research that has linked, uh, studied that link in specifically healthcare professionals, teachers, and, and many other service-related uh, service industries. Yeah. Or professions, uh, but as to some of the the more recent research, so one of the the, the best studies um, that I think captures this this whole concept of psychosocial stress and the link to musculoskeletal uh, musculoskeletal pain. Um, there was one study out of San Francisco um, looking at intensive care intensive care unit nurses, and basically they, they found the connection between psycho psychological stress and musculoskeletal symptoms so basically the people who had musculoskeletal symptoms were more likely to have higher levels of uh, psychological stress uh, present but the way they measured their proxy for um, assessing psychosocial stress was something called this um, effort reward imbalance scale mm. uh, basically it's it's a it's actually a relatively modern uh, creation uh, there is a uh, a medical sociologist um, named uh, Segrist uh, out of Germany uh, who created this effort reward imbalance model. Mm -hmm. And basically, uh, if you can imagine on one side, you have your efforts in work. So uh, your hours that you put in, uh, your, your training, the, the work conditions, all those things go into the effort that you're putting, um, the hours, uh, all those things go into the effort that you're putting into your work. Then the reward uh, on the other side, you know, there's, there's pay, there's, there's autonomy, there's hours, there's safety of working conditions. Mm. And ideally, those things are, are balanced. So mm. if, you're, if you're putting in a, a lot of effort, then you expect to be rewarded in some way. Mm -hmm. it, and it's not always higher pay. It's, again, it can be you know, autonomy, respect. That, that's another big one. Uh, you, know, you expect to be rewarded. If you, you work hard, you expect to be respected by your, your peers, right. by the hospital administration. Right. Um, but when there's an imbalance there, if you're putting in more effort than the reward, so for instance, if you're working really hard but you don't have any autonomy, if you're working really hard and you're not getting the respect of the administration or, or anyone who's, who's above you, um, that leads to uh, levels of psychological stress, and that in itself can amplify the musculoskeletal symptoms that are already on board. And those musculoskeletal symptoms, you know, maybe it is from poor lifting technique. Maybe it's from recreational activities outside. Maybe it can be from anything. But, but the bottom line is that um, there has been shown in, in uh, several studies, not just this study. I really like this study because it, 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 it gives us something concrete to look mm -hmm. at with the effort-reward imbalance. And it really gets, gets to the point of why... A lot of these healthcare professionals have if have uh, or having stress or having um, you know difficulties mm -hmm. is, is because it's not just okay. Well, I, my job is hard. I work twelve hours, whatever. No, there's there's something deeper there, mm -hmm. as, as you as you well know. Mm -hmm. And this is so important, which I, I 
encourage y'all to tune your ears to as when Dr. Allen started presenting this to me, it, it, I mean, it, of course it made sense, but it's nice to have the research, the concrete track this and let alone the legacy of research and how it's progressed as one thing that comes to mind is the energetic ergonomics of a space. And by that, it's like, you know, what are the things that we can structure in the environment that are there to support us, community, um, the administrators and leadership teams of the hospital caring actually and intaking things to help balance out that effort versus reward imbalance. Because when it's imbalanced, I think the gap between someone's reward and their effort versus, you know, the demand and what they're actually placing on themselves, like it's going to really be the gap in the space in between which is the cause of their dis-ease like you said it just amplifies that which is potentially their musculoskeletally but it's amplified via the weight and the demand mentally and emotionally which it, it just makes so much sense because we talk about in chiropractic you know 80 to 90 percent of what people might be experiencing physically is actually linked to an, a mental or an emotional cause but it's not spotlighted and it's not taken in consideration because it's the same mechanism how someone can look across the table and see someone or something be in a stressed or in a relaxed state well same thing every impulse that you're intaking into your system that's within you that you know might be a different trigger something someone says it could be something that's uh you know come up over the last few decades and that's why i think understanding the legacy of you know someone's attachment um with attachment theory or What's the trauma that they incurred when they were younger? What's the trauma that they incurred in school? What's the trauma that they're incurring on the day-to-day? Because it's all, it all, I think, it's very beneficial to be taken into consideration, which simply, I don't think when, you know, it's either you're in pain or you're not in pain. You're either burnt out or you're not burnt out. But when you can appreciate the legacy of someone's dis-ease process and how that leads to diseases, I think that's just going to leave and allow for a lot more footing to for people to ground themselves into in their own health and healing journey as healthcare providers. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things when when you say there's a, a, a lot of times when you talk about this psychosocial uh, component of, of pain, a lot of people will kind of take this reductionist reductionist mm-hmm. interpretation. Oh, it's it's just all in your head. Yeah, well, which I mean, it is in your, your brain is in your head, but there's something <laughs> there's something there's there's deeper elements yes. you know, which you. Um, which you so eloquently uh, address there, um, but then you know, also you're giving people, you know, helping people find answers. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's not just it's not just when we look at psychological stress and musculoskeletal. It's not just okay. Well, just get less stressed. Just right. You know, just go. Just go meditate. Just go deep breathe. Right. It, it's and and sure. I mean, obviously, obviously those are extremely valuable practices uh, that that everyone should be doing. But no, no amount of, of deep breathing is going to resolve these underlying stressors that are, are going on, whether it's you know, your work hours or the respect from administration. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really getting to the root of what's happening there uh, that, mm-hmm. that is necessary to you know, break, that, uh, you know, break that cycle. Yeah, break that cycle, break that pattern as even if you were to, I mean, utilize breathwork just because that's the example that Dr. Allen just said, you know, it's so important because then if you treat or you utilize a modality just as like a one-stop fix-all or a band-aid, like it's like, oh yeah, come breathe. Yeah, everything's going to get better. Oh yeah, let me see you one time. It's going to get better. You can shift things in one time for sure. However, if you don't take care of the roots, if you don't take care of the cause, if you don't take care of the environment and the lifestyle that then is once more allowing for this chronic stress to cycle, well then you're only going to 
find some reprieve and some relief, but you're never going to shift things powerfully, which I think is a challenge to everyone to just think more thoroughly when it comes to examining your life and examining your lifestyle, because that's directly going to impact your health. And if we don't have our health, as you said earlier, you know, it can lead to uh, a lack of identity for some people as that one hour that someone might have in the gym, if they're a healthcare provider, might be their only hour, but then they get injured and it's like, uh oh, it brings up a lot of, I imagine, uncertainty and unknown. Yeah, uncertainty, that, that loss of identity, uh, that, that you know, maybe they're, that's someone's way of, of seeing themselves as an athlete. Maybe not com- competing anymore, but mm-hmm. seeing themselves as someone, someone fit and, and, and vibrant. Um, if we're using the, the, you know, I have one hour for myself mm-hmm. every day, and I, I choose to spend it, spend it at the gym because the other 23 hours are, are, are jam-packed with other responsibilities serving, mm-hmm. uh, serving other people. Or efforting to even get there. Right. Like you talk about residents, you talk about nurses, you talk about school as a PT or as a chiropractic student. There's such a high demand for studying for boards, studying for classes, <laughs> going to class. Take those those three alone. That's a full day. And then, you know, you, a lot of residency programs, they don't even have wellness programs. So it's when you think about the bigness of that one hour, that 30 minutes, which so many people struggle to even find time for, you know, what's been one of the biggest resources or the biggest strategies you've implemented when it comes to receiving your people in a rehabilitative state and helping them, like, prioritize their movement or prioritize their health? Yeah, so fortunately, most of the people that come to see me are you know, already have that as a, as a priority. Nice. Um, okay. in, in a lot of cases, it's, it's, you know, with the athletes, you have to tell them to back off. Yes, uh, that's true. That's true, um, and, and that's a whole other discussion with <laughs> with identity and and everything. Um, but I was but when people are having difficulty, you know, finding the time, let's say whether whether it's the actual hours in the day or or just the, the mental space to commit to it, um, a lot of times I tell people something is better than nothing. Mm. Like even if it's mm. you know, I, I have this rule of one. It's like do like one set or run one nice. mile. Nice. And if if that's all you if that's all you did, then hey, it's better than no sets. Um, yeah. If that's all you if if okay, maybe you normally run six miles, uh, but you only have time for one. Okay, well, one's better than zero. Mm-hmm. And it's cumulative. Like right. health is cumulative. And I love that invitation because I think something that we both do because we see things from a neurological lens and a holistic lens, a whole body lens, a whole life lens. I love, I just love the rule of one. It's like, just do, do something because that's something that people can, it's like, bro, just hit, some, hit a set of something. And people, okay, okay, I can, I, can, I can do that. But there's like psychological, mental barriers that sometimes we need to, I think, break through and simplify. I think people hear the idea of exercise or movement and that can be very complicated. And one thing I love that we chatted about before as we're going to the episode is you just help people bridge them back into movement. And movement is the essence of life. And when it comes to meeting people with where they're at, you know, I'd love to for you to share, you know, a little bit more of, you know, what's one of the biggest strategies that you've seen in helping the mental and emotional aspect of people as they're coming back into themselves and their lifestyle. Uh, so one of the most important things is is leveraging the power of exercise and movement to help address some of the psychological stressors uh, that we've been been discussing. So, 
you know, and we know that exercise can improve you know, self-confidence, you know, f- feel better about yourself. You just feel better in general. And if you're, you're keeping up with the gym routine, keeping up with your, your workout pattern, keeping up with whatever your movement practice is, you know, and that makes you feel better about yourself as a person, that makes you feel more empowered. If you feel more empowered, then maybe that allows you, gives you the strength to attack these causes mm-hmm. that are that are responsible for the, the psychological stress. Maybe it, it means maybe you know, the exercise, maybe that the, the strength you feel in the gym that gives you the the, the assertiveness to say you know stand up for yourself uh, against leadership, Oof. something like that, instead of you know, instead of just accepting things the way they are, and you know the, the strength that someone gets from uh, you know a heavy deadlift or a heavy bench press or, or picking up doing something with their body that they didn't think was possible uh, that can have uh, profound effects and benefits outside just the physical. It can permeate to all aspects of life and, and give people the, the, the strength to solve, solve the problems that are ultimately the cause of, of mm-hmm. a lot of the psychological Man. issues that they're confronting. I love the leveraging, the reverse engineering <laughs> of that as I've, I was listening to uh, some YouTube a motivational thing and it just hit really hard it's like barbell or hitting that barbell or hitting the gym it can be spiritual as you, people are literally lifting life off of themselves or they're strengthening they're toughening themselves for life so i love the leveraging of the exercise to actually give you the courage to give you the apple it's like yo you pulled 300 for a deadlift you got this like you you got this and i think Using because it's usually I think using the mental and emotional to try to get after the exercise, but it's the, it's a mind body complex, and I love the reverse engineering of using the body to help shift the mind, and I think that's such a powerful aspect and tool, especially when there's such a high demand mentally and emotionally. I'd argue that the, the mental and emotional demand is actually more so than the physical demand for nurses and for physicians. However, there is still a high physical demand, but in shifting that it can lead to a lot of profound things because I think it needs to come from an individualistic approach and focus that then is going to ultimately affect the organization. And then the organization leadership is in systems. It's already its own thing. But the one thing that we can do is provide for the provider, take care of the athletes so they can do the things that they want to, even though they have might have exhausted the surgery or like you said in our BNI meeting, it's $3,500 or $4,500 for an MRI or they'll spend a certain amount of money and then the PT or the chiropractor is like the last, like, okay, I'll give this a try. Or, oh, okay, I'll give this a go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's, you know, with, you know, with that leveraging of, with that leveraging of, of exercise to, you know, em- empower people. Um, even just on a, a simple, uh, you know, chemistry cellular level right. that, that we know that, that exercise leads to the release of endorphins. Endorphins make you, feel good and then you're just able to just do the stuff that you need to do and and want to do and mm. where we come in as as healers at least on the musculoskeletal side is is allowing is uh, taking away those barriers that would prevent them from you know, in partaking in you know the exercise activities that will ultimately feed into a better place psychologically mm. Mm. so it's closing that loop Yes. Ooh, yeah, we close that. <laughs> it's so good. As uh, I was on walking, I just think of the spine as the bridge for the mind and the body. 
And I think when more providers operate with this, I'll just say level of awareness and almost like ownership because brain and spine, first things that were created. So it makes sense then movement thus is life. And with the work that you do, it's like I love that you, you're coming from a, like, you know, restore, helping restore athletes or helping restore the provider's health. And it's also inviting, I think, the provider to see their body as a teammate versus something they may work contrary to. Like I think in our pre-chat we were talking like it's a baton race with your body. And you got to be able to give it the nourishment, give it the movement, give it what it needs so that way it can take the then the stimulus that you gave it and then actually be able to heal, actually be able to move, actually be able to shift things. But a lot of people just see it as a tool that they utilize versus, no, it's actually your, your teammate. Would you care to share a little bit more into that? Yeah, the physical is an expression of, of the psycho, psychological. So look at, you mentioned the spine, so, so think of posture. You know, pos- people... And going back to the ergonomics and, and it's good posture, however we want to define that, but mm. you know, good mm-hmm. posture is often seen as this, okay, the spine being in a certain, certain alignment and, and you know, different benchmarks of, of where things are supposed to be aligned and, and structured. Uh, but posture is also reflective of, of psychology. Posture is reflective of what's going on in, in your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at so if someone... You know, if someone is hunching over, and, and a lot of times we'll attribute it to, to just, okay, you're just looking over your, your phone, or you're looking over a computer screen, sure. and, and which may be the case sure. in some case. You might have a, a crappy desk set up, or you might just be, you might just be having, spending too much time on your phone just looking, looking straight down. But there are other situations where someone might be hunching over because they feel defeated, mm-hmm. you know, that whole the whole position of, of rounding forward, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's very much a defensive yeah. position. Yeah. And again, that, that, uh, that both directions of mind and body, mind and body working uh, together. Fascinating. So it's, it's not just enough to just say, okay, well, I just need, my posture's bad, I need to sit up straight, right. or I need to get a better chair. It's, mm. I mean, sometimes it, that might be the case, and hey, that's great if, if it's that simple. Right, um, it'd be nice. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be great if it was that simple, actually. <laughs> But uh, but a lot of times it's it's you know, reflective of what's going on in in someone's mind. Mm. Mm. And what it what it what I write down is just it invites the work. It invites the the thoroughness of consideration of why your health may be where it's at. And uh, speaking of which, I think it's a good transition into you know being able to highlight the importance of knowing who you're going to as a provider. So we talked a little bit about as well too. People might hear physical therapists and, you know, I mentioned there can be, you know, PTs that just, they're kind of like a ringleader and they're just telling people, their people to do exercises, but they might not be involved or they might not even be the, in the room, which was my experience with PT when I hyperextended my elbow back when I was in high school. Um, and then there might be a chiropractor that just might recommend a bunch of supplements and they don't actually adjust. For you, why is it important and how is it important for someone to even start figuring out who they need to go to and why they would go to you? So... Yeah, a lot of chiropractors and, and physical therapists walk into their office. You might not know know the difference, right? Um, because there are there are a lot of uh, physical therapists who practice uh, you know, very uh, very deeply with uh, informed with osteopathic uh, manipulation techniques, which is what I use. Um, and to, on the surface, it looks looks pretty much the same as chiropractic techniques, and a lot of them are the same. But there's there's very different. Uh, 
theoretical mechanisms um, underlying them. Mm. Um, you can also walk into some chiropractic offices and they have you know, rubber floors and they have squat racks and they have turf where people are running and, and that might, you might walk in there and say, oh, is this a, a performance training center? No, this is a chiropractic office. And there are plenty of those out there mm-hmm. uh, like that. Um, so it's important to understand that, that there is a lot of overlap, of course, as we know. Um, and I think the labels can be helpful to at least start the search. It at least eliminates, it eliminates a lot of other things. Um, in terms of like, okay, I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to go here. I know that, okay, I have a muscle or bone problem. So I know I need to see a PT or, or a chiropractor. At least I've narrowed it down sure. to that. Right. Um, yeah, as we say, but as we say, there, there's, there's a saying, you, know, you look for the, you know, refer to the person, not to the profession. Mm. Um, so it's, as you're saying, it, it's all about the person uh, that can take care of you. Um, not just the the license or the, the letters right. or, the, or the degree, mm-hmm. because there's so there's such fluctuation in skill, there's such fluctuation in energy. I think of people, of course, and thoroughness of thought. And it's like you know this man's that name is that kettlebell doc, and it's like oh he's a PT, and so it's interesting the level of ownership that one can take in their expression and then their application. I think application of principles is so important when it comes to distinguishing a professional of whatever. Uh, profession in this case we're talking pt and you know chiropractic and you know for me it's really great like dr allen's a great referral source to be able to it's like okay you need to explore a little bit more of the the damage and where your tissues are at um, when it comes to the fascia when it comes to the muscles when it comes to you know the bones of sorts um however if there's something that people need to help integrate process stress process the different demands process different traumas you know neurologically based that's where i come in more so and both are great complements to one another. And it's also important to say, you know, we don't need to do the same thing. There can be overlap. However, what I love the companionship and the collaboration with Doc Down is what we agree upon is the philosophy and actually being able to move and navigate in a way that's uh, important. I think with like humility as well, too. I think a lot of healthcare professionals think they need to do everything. They got, they got to hold on to their patients. They got to hold on. They got to be the everything or the jack of all trades versus going really deep and actually providing a very thorough application of PT, chiropractic, in our, with our own unique sauce. You know what I mean? There's different techniques that everyone's going to pull. But I think that there's a level of mastery that comes with the ownership of the license or whatever it may be because it gives at least some kind of guardrails and it gives a road. Now, what do you want to build upon that? I think that's someone's own expertise and their journey in that mastery. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if we were to generalize any sort of way, I think as a whole, the tradition of chiropractic has been more, uh, you know, in tune with the, the neurological side, with with uh, you know the holistic piece of things. If you're a chiropractor, and you're talking about stress, and you're talking about nutrition, and talking about your know, mental health. Um, those have pretty much been a part of chiropractic since since day one. Uh, those are very much a part of PT for, for many good PTs out there. But in PT, if, if you're doing those sorts of things, you're seen as more like progressive or a little more, more okay. out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not so much the mainstream, the, the mainstream right. that people think of is, okay, I'm, I'm rebuilding tissue. Mm. And, and certainly that's, mm. that's where PT can, can shine is where with the progressive overload of, of, of tissue and integrating it into, movement practice um, and, and on that type of level 
Um, but you know, as you said, it's 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 complementary. There's it's like a Venn diagram. You know, there's there's <laughs> there's you, you have you know, two circles and you have the shared yep. space in the middle, but but there's also you know spaces on the periphery that are very much you know unique to the mm-hmm. uh, unique to the professions. And you know, like what you said too about it's it's the pursuit of mastery for for that individual. And, and one thing you know in in my practice that has shifted the way I do things is not thinking so much about the pathology necessarily. Um, certainly, that's that's what brings people in. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's not just about what's injured or the structure, uh, but it's about what problem can I can I solve? Mm-hmm. It, it's not. A lot of people, when they go through the system, they are known as a, a diagnosis, uh, or you know, in PT, it might be okay. You know, you have you're the guy with a with a sore knee, or you're the bad back patient. Uh, you know, imagine in chiropractic, it can be that there's generalization. There are generalizations like that in, in pretty much any um, profession. Uh, you know, chiropractic gives plenty of, of people out there that, you know, as we call, as we call them. Uh, you know the, the stop and stop and chop, where it's like you go in and 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 you, know, you you get adjusted and it's like hey go on your way and 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 oh yeah on your way out uh, you know, don't forget to to sign up for for six months of getting adjusted yep. three times three times a week uh, without any which that can be you know, if you can afford it hey that that's great but that in the absence of other supportive mechanisms whether it's exercise whether it's whether it's mental health whether it's nutrition. That's where a lot of chiropractors are selling people short. And even if you don't do it yourself, it's like, okay, you know, got you adjusted, you're feeling good. Okay, well, hey, hey, go see this guy for, for training. Hey, here's a nutritionist you should go see. Hey, go talk to my guy, Dr. Jamal, for, for, for life coaching. Uh, so like you were saying, with you know, being an expert in your own domain, uh, you know, it's okay if like, you, know, you just use those tools to use one set of tools, but recognizing that your set of tools isn't, the only thing that this person needs. Yeah. Cause it's a lot to take care of a human being. Like it's a lot to take care of a human being and to be able to shift decades sometimes of patterning and thinking and thought. And, you know, I think what I'm really pulling from this is you got to go to someone that's very thorough in their consideration once more. Uh, Cause even like the, and like we were saying earlier, you know, a lot of people, they may only allow a certain amount of time for their healing. Dr. Brett said this, um, healing requires focus and it requires energy and it requires intention. And a lot of people are just trying to heal from with the most minimal amount of time. Or a lot of people are trying to heal very conveniently. And this is so important because it requires more of you. It requires more of you because it took more of you to get to this point. So therefore, you need to shift the level of energy, the level of focus, the level of effort that you're putting into yourself to heal. You can't shift a problem, move out of a problem with the same way of being and the same way of thinking. Albert Einstein. So therefore, we need to shift something. So that's why you go to a facilitator of healing and someone that knows these principles of natural health and healing. Um, if it, if you have the space or if you want the space and if you want the inspiration, a lot of people may, oh man, I only, I only want to get popped and I want to get popped and go. Or I only want to get cracked and go. Well, cool. There's certain spaces that are probably more appropriate for you. Um, but if you want, you know, a more deeper excavation of your body, mind and soul, well, Find, come find me or go to Dr. Allen as that's more than appropriate, more in alignment with things. And if you're not even in alignment with the philosophy of your provider, well, then you're only going to get aligned to a certain extent when it actually comes to the care. And I think that that's so important for people to just be able to grasp some responsibility over. One thing I tell 
people when they when they come in and they've had some something in chronic going on for a long time it's you know okay this took six months to develop you know this this you know your, your knee pain or your back pain um, it's you know, it's not going to resolve itself overnight necessarily there does there is some work required and, and you know in our professions there's a lot of a lot of people approach it like you're doing something to someone um, whereas mm-hmm. what I kind of way I kind of think of it and the way I know you think of it too is we're facilitators of healing. We're basically giving the person the space, giving them the resources to ultimately advance themselves yes. or do the work, yes. do the work on their own. So you know, any, any fancy, you know, techniques that we might use to make you feel good walking out of walking out of the clinic. Um, that's just the beginning that can accelerate the process. It opens this window of opportunity for the real work to happen because sometimes you, you can't you can't just exercise your way out of out of everything um, you, know, you sometimes you, you do need you do need a little assistance to yeah. you know, break up whether it's something physical you know whether it's a, a restriction in muscle or joint or if it's there's something some restriction uh, spiritually or mm. or mentally emotionally mm. um, basically you know someone uh, you know someone comes in someone comes in your office and you know they're in pain and we know when, if you're in pain, then maybe you're not in the best mental space. You're, you're focused so much on the pain, the pain itself, and you know they get get adjusted and they feel they feel really good. Then that's that window of opportunity to explore growth, whether it's with movement and and you know exercise, or if it is okay, I'm not my brain isn't so preoccupied on the pain that I'm in anymore. Now I have more space to address the <coughs> other stressors that may be affecting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, I think bridges to another concept. And it's simply, there is limitations, like you said, to range of motion physically, but ultimately we want people to expand their mental and emotional range of motion. Yeah, f- flexibility, both cognitive flexibility, psychological Ooh, flexibility. Cognitive flexibility, <laughs> mental range of motion, being able to explore different aspects of this is so important. Yeah, because the body, the body likes options. <coughs> you know, if, if all you get, if you only give your body the option of going in one direction, uh, you know, that can ultimately result in, in tissue overload. Uh, mentally, it can, uh, if we take that metaphor and apply it mentally, it can result in staleness and burnout, uh, which we've been, you know, been talking about. Um, so yeah, that, that applies both physically and and mentally to have give your body those options to explore, to spread the load, to experience things in in different ways, giving yourself the the adaptability, the agility to Ooh. respond to different stressors. Like if you're if you don't have flexibility in in your hip and you try to try to make a cut on the basketball court or, or soccer court or soccer pitch where, you know, your hip doesn't go that direction or it doesn't go to a certain range of motion, uh, then there, there may be consequences. Yeah. Maybe consequences for that. Likewise, if you're in a, a mental or emotional space where you don't have the, the flexibility to adapt to uh, stressors in your life, mm. uh, uh, crises, yeah. other calamities, you know, having that, that flexibility is, is so vital there as well. Mm. And going back to the mind body, you know, if you're able to expl- 
be healthy and exploit all the benefits of movement and exercise, then then it you know, leveraging those benefits to ch- take take on the challenges yeah. of that you're going through elsewhere in life. It's so good because ultimately all can go to uh, attributing towards increased uh, neuroplasticity or the brain's ability to adapt and be able to form new tissues and neural pathways in a, a genesis aspect of things. And simply, I, I think that's my biggest takeaway with this episode is the importance of leveraging the body in order to expand the mobility, flexibility, pliability, adaptability of the mind and of the emotions and the spirit, of course, and then also then applying those lessons to then be able to push a little bit more on the physical and identifying, you know, where does that get limited for, you know, the individual? And that's, you know, something that y'all can take away with this is where perhaps are there some previous physical injuries or where are there previous mental and emotional injuries that are prohibiting you from expressing your most with your body or expressing your most with your mind, with your thoughts and with your emotions? Yeah, I've had many people, you know, cry on my table. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had had the same. Uh, I'd like to think it's not for me hurting them. That it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> a, it's a release. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's you know, a release of, of stress. It's, yeah. hey, I'm getting, my, I'm getting my life back. Or, well, I don't... It's been years since I was able to do this, whatever this is. Um, so, yes, it can, it can be very uh, powerful and, and emotional. Um, you know, experience to, to heal physically. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like as they're crying, it's like their mind's expanding. Like it's like the, there's tears of breaking through those barriers and the shedding of those previous barriers are coming out as tears, coming out as, uh, you know, emotion or coming out as whatever. And it's such a beautiful process to be able to be a part of and partner with and to collaborate with them in that capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh Oh, brother, I'm feeling really complete with this conversation as it was good to cover some bases. And I'd love to invite you, you know, is there anything else that you'd really love to impart to our listeners when it comes to mind, body, health, wealth? Ultimately, it's, it's consistency, showing up. You know, one, put one foot in front of the other. You know, all of the, all those really simple, simple concepts. But if you just keep moving, you know, keep move on. well, move often. Your body in motion stays in motion. Ooh, <laughs> yes, sir. I imagine uh, motion is a quintessential or necessary component to building your body's winning recipe, which is what we want to empower our people. Um, your bodies, your bodies, and or your minds, or once more, it's mind body complex winning recipe. But we gotta be able to discover that and understand and have grace and chef and playing with different ingredients and you know playing with things because you need to discover it in your own capacity. And I think. Uh, some of the most present powerful cooking are those that are most present so it's time to get present to your body and what it actually needs but uh you know how can people reach out to you so uh, on on instagram uh, they can find me at at uh, the kettlebell doc uh, so i, I have a, a long history with, with teaching and, and practicing kettlebells uh, that's where uh, that handle came from uh, you could also find me at my website uh, which is uh, ventana pt dot physio and i've Practice mainly, so I practice out of uh, uh, space in Oro Valley, um, and then also at our, our mutual friend uh, Michelle's uh, studio called Bodywork at Onyx at uh, Swan and Fort Lowell, which is uh, centrally located for for many people, and where we have a, a nice uh, team, a nice mm-hmm. nice ecosystem of mm-hmm. of uh, physical people to help you get strong, feel better, 
and uh, you know, live your best, best life, mind and body. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the experience. Y'all got to check it out and check this man out. Please hit him with any questions and all things. And final question for you, sir, for Soul Coffee. How would you describe the components of your flavor of Soul Coffee to the world? That's a good question. I, I'm actually like a hot chocolate guy. <laughs> Sweet, pure, authentic. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I think you're the first one that said that. <laughs> you actually don't drink coffee. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, y'all, stay tuned and, you know, uh, please get around this man as he does He does workshops. Uh, it's been great to see him working with director Alex Liu uh, with F45 and various gyms around Tucson, just educating on the importance of movement and different components to things. And uh, movement is necessary for life, and this man does it amongst the best of them. So uh, please reach out to him as he's a potent resource. And um, in the meantime, stay tuned with different events that we're doing in collaboration with, of course, with The Source. Excited to bring Michelle on and, you know, collaborate with different things so that we can help our people in Tucson heal. But if you need support, reach out. And you don't have to stay stuck. We just need to play with different ingredients in discovering your body's winning recipe. And until next time, peace. <laughs>